Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Today we are going to discuss a game called What Remains of Edith Finch. This is what Darren has told me, I believe, is the bar that has been set for <laughs> walking simulators. I think so, yeah. I'd like to think so, at least. And this is basically the test to see if Justin likes walking simulators, because I've been very iffy on them before. <laughs> what was the other one we did? It was um, Ethan... Oh, Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yeah, which I wasn't a big fan of. I liked moments in. Got his moments, yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you, Edith Finch is kind of the same for me. Ooh. You can boo me all you want, but it's not going to change the fact of how I felt. Ah, well, uh, well th th that's good, though, because that means that's it. We're done with uh, Walking Sims then from now on. Because, honestly, if you, if you don't like this, then there's nothing else that I could really recommend to you with, like, um, in good conscience, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't want to waste your time with anything else. If you don't like this, then that's it. This is not a genre for you. There are moments I enjoy. I think... I could do walking simulators, but I think that based on Ethan Carter, based on what we've done in this game, I think what I really want is a free 30 to 40 minute walking simulator, and that's about it. Right, okay. Because both of these games, what they do is they take what are some very interesting, disparate ideas of things you can do with a game. And try to throw it all together in one story that neither one of these, the story works for me. Mm. Well, I completely disagree. And I would say it works perfectly for me. So this will be interesting because you'll get to see both angles. I think this is a perfect game. 10 out of 10. BAFTAs agree. Yeah. They give it a... <laughs> I, it won, I think it won something. I wrote down somewhere in my notes here. I think it won something like eight awards. Best narrative, best gameplay. Best gameplay, I was surprised by, but it won a best gameplay award. Not like there's much gameplay to it, but best game and best narrative were like two of the main ones that they kept on winning over and over again in between 2017 and 2018 when it released. I could be in the wrong here. I just think it's not my style. Yeah, I think so. As far as reviews, very positive recently. Overall, overwhelmingly positive. It only came out in 2017 on Steam and. I think the biggest complaint that people would have is the price. That it, at base, is $21. For a three-hour game. For a three-hour game. How long to beat had it at about two and a half, but I think three is much more likely. You could skip whole sections of story, as I found, and that could get you through pretty fast. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I think three hours is a much more... I think three hours is fair. ...realistic. Yeah, developed by Giant Sparrow and published by Annapurna Interactive, who we know because you have in your sales video recommended Donut County and Outer Wilds, and uh, we've also discussed Telling Lies, which was theirs. Yes, that would explain Sam Barlow's name in the credits. Um, uh, also, they, they've only done one other game, and that's called uh, Unfinished Swan, which I haven't played yet, but supposedly that's a... That's Giant Sparrow that did that. It's a Giant Sparrow game, yeah. Um is a publisher, yeah. But Giant Sparrow as a developer, they've only done one other game, which is, uh, yeah, Unfinished Swan. And 
I've not played that, but supposedly it has one of the characters from Edith Finch in it. Um, and um, their next game is... I tried to find something about their next game, and all they said was, it is... Hang on. It is an enchanting game about animal locomotion. <laughs> Whatever that means. Um, which is kind of cool, because if it's a game where I get to hunt rabbits as an owl, I'll be down for that, because they've got that nailed down. As far as the game, recommending it, you think it's a perfect game. I really... I just don't enjoy it. If you don't like Walking Sims, don't play the game. Is yeah. what I would say. I would definitely say... That $21, I mean, where now as we record it, it's four years old, this game. You can get it for cheaper on a sale. And you can get it bundled with Goro Goa often. Which is what I did this past sale, as I finally said, Darren's been, for years, like ever <laughs> since we began the podcast, you're like, what game should we play? Edith Finch. I'm like, well, I don't have Edith Finch. Get it then. <laughs> and then... That bundle appeared, and then it sort of disappeared, and then I saw it come back again, and I went, okay, I'll get it, because Gorogoa sounds interesting as well. That would probably be the way that I recommend that you buy it. I would too. That's how I got it as well. Because, I mean, 21 bucks for me, even for a game that I knew that I'd probably like, still still steep, man, for, for a three-hour game for me. Um, yeah, and just a little pump for Gorogoa. I really like that game as well. It was a lot of fun. And that's... Kind of where we need to leave it, because before we get into it, I mean... The whole game is spoilers, so... Yeah, it's all story spoilers, and wow, isn't that interesting they tried this? Spoilers. Yeah. It is a visually beautiful game. The mechanics of the game work for the most part. There are a few things that I had an issue with. I did come across a bug that was very irritating, but I'll get to that later, which I don't think you've probably ever seen, I think. I'm one of the rare few that have found this one. If you just want a fairly relaxing, beautiful, disparate, like many different types of ways to use the mechanics that they have. I mean, it's interesting, but for me, it just wasn't fun. And that's the missing key for me. But Darren loves it. Darren's played it how many times? I think it's three times now. So, yeah, I don't know that the rest of us will find quite the replayability that Darren does, but. I think that that says something very important in the fact that if he's willing to play it again for fun, if he loves to play it and he wants to play it again, well, there's probably something to it. It just is lost on me. Let's find out why. Let's find out why in the spoiler section. So if you have not played, now's the time to go away and come back later. Here's your spoiler warning. I think at this point we should put, as a spoiler tag, things rolling through, we just have that shark rolling through the forest. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to talk about that (laughs) shot. We've discussed it, and I kind of wanted you to run it just because I know you love it, and I I want this to be a more positive one. I'll try not to, well, I mean, like trash on it too much as I'm going through or or let my bias come through. But I do think that the order I have is more the order you would find things, save one. And I, I think I can throw it back in in the right spot. Yours is more by. The really clever use of the family tree that you can use, because I'm going to say this, at the end, you can replay any of the individual ones you want without having to go through the whole game. And you have to. Well, you don't have to, but you should to get one of the last the last achievement that I got, which is loop-de-loop-de-loop, which you have to go back and play Calvin's story one more time. 
Uh, I don't think I got that one. What is interesting, though, is there are some stories you can skip. I know this because I accidentally did. I skipped one, and bonus amazing thing, they will let you replay it even if you missed it. That's weird. I, okay. I, I, which story did, did you skip then? Gus. Okay. I don't know how that's possible, but... It's very possible because it's just sitting there. You can walk around it. And just continue on? And just continue on. Ah, okay. It didn't stop me from seeing the hand that would appear to open mm. the window for the next part. So it ah. is very possible. And I think that you could possibly skip Gregory's. I think you could possibly skip um, her father. Uh, Sam? Sam. Well, not her father, her grandfather. Uh, yeah, I think that there are a few that you could actually just walk by and not have done. I think you could speed run it pretty fast if you can through <laughs> all the story part. Let's get into the beginning. So mm-hmm. in the beginning, there is organ music that is playing. You are looking out at the title of the game as it's fading into the distance. You are on a ferry looking down. There are flowers in your hand and a journal that says Edith Finch on the front. You start to read it and you get some narration. Edith is home. And the whole point of the story is she is the last of her family. She's going home to try to make sense of things. At least that's the way I interpret it. Yep. There are all sorts of things around you that you can click on. Luckily, they give us a circle. There's a bright white light to indicate where we can interact. Yeah, because there's no, there's no cursor reticle in the, in the game. It's like, it's all just, a hand will appear or a little book will appear for what, something that you can read. It does work with controller. So I was playing a controller. That becomes very important with Molly's story, but we'll get to that later. As far as looking around here, you can look at the chain link fence behind you. Obviously, I'm not the first one to hop the fence. There's the missing child poster where we find out that her brother Milton disappeared when she was four years old. Mm-hmm. And we can look at the house in the distance, the weird ramshackle tower of rooms in front of us that does not look safe. It's definitely a health and safety issue, that house. (laughs) It reminds me a bit of the Weasley house in Harry Potter, the way it just seems like everything has been added on and Mm -hmm. added on. In this case, it seems a bit much, but let's just roll with it. I, I just think the house is big enough on its own that you didn't need to build this ramshackle tower, but we'll get into that. I think that's part of what doesn't work for me in the story is that it's trying to deal with a very serious topic of death, but then every time it tries to deal with it, it doesn't seem to do it in a serious way. So it seems like it's trying to be a serious game, but then it's maybe my dark sense of humor, but so much of it just seemed funny as opposed to seeming genuine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is part of that. This seems like something that would be in a children's cartoon, the house that just kept being built, or uh, the children's book, uh, Stories from Wayside High School, which has 30 stories, but they all go, it's just one room straight up. Oh, okay. <laughs> when we get to the house... There are a couple of things here. So there's a dragon in the pond. Yeah. Which apparently 
ate one of her family. I like this one because it's mentioned later that I don't think it's right here. I think it's later when we hear about that person again, where she says, well, you could say he died building the dragon, but it's more fun to say he was eaten by yeah. the dragon. What is really funny about that, 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 that that's uh, Sven, who, who, uh, that's Edie's husband. Um, and what's so funny is, I don't know if you found it, but there's a picture of him actually falling off of it. <laughs> and they've placed it there. It's like, who, the, who would place a picture of their grandpa dying? <laughs> like just there, it's just like a little photograph of him. Like you can see the whole thing's broken. Did you see that picture? That little I didn't see that one, but it's so similar to so many other things in the game that I'm not surprised. Uh, it's just like him, like mid, mid crack and mid like, ah, like candid camera, kind of America's home, funniest home videos. It's like, except yeah, that was Gramps dying um, when he was trying to build me a dragon slide. I think you just nailed it right there. It's like America's Funniest Home Videos trying to have a serious narration around it instead of Bob Saget making jokes. Right. right. <laughs> There's something about that juxtaposition that just doesn't work for me. It takes what could have worked and mm. turns it into something different. Is the only way into the house through the doggy door? I think so. Yeah. All right. I don't know because that was the first one I tried. You can try the front, but say it's locked. And the key doesn't fit. So, of course it doesn't. We get into the garage and I mean, it's just a garage. There's not too much here, I don't think. Though there is a coat rack with different names on it. So you start to get the feeling for who the names are. Dawn, the mother, must have loved her label maker because there are labels <laughs> all over this place with people's names on different things. And sometimes it makes sense, as in this one. Mm -hmm. And other times it makes zero sense when you get to her old bedroom where there are three light switches, each with a name on it, but there aren't three lights. I, I, I'm i pretty sure I saw three lights for the three kids on my one. but All right, but it also wouldn't make any sense because the beds are all right next to each other. If you turn on one light, you're bothering all the others. <laughs> it's not like you're turning on a little bedside lamp. It would be mm. a big overhead Overhead light, light yeah. We get into the kitchen. The kitchen is a mess. Very cluttered. Tons of canned salmon, I believe. We are in Washington State, which I think is a bit important for the way things look and a few things that happen in the in the game itself. But this is a big one. The canning industry here and the fact that her brother used to work for it, that's why they have so much of it. There's Chinese food around because it was the only place it would actually deliver, so they ate a lot of it. I do think they've maybe not made some of the house as dusty, cobwebby, moldy, rotten as it probably should be, given the amount of time that has passed between when she left and when she returned. Yeah, it's a fairly big... I mean, it looks like somebody left two weeks ago, not yeah, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do like the look of the house. I like how I like how it's cluttered and it looks lived in rather than it looks like a box that's been filled with assets. That's a big problem with um, a lot of walking sims that I play is that you'll have beautiful rooms, but they look like computer games, whereas this house looks lived in. I don't know how else to explain it, really. I agree. 
And I think that too often with some other games, you get the assets that they just reuse over and over again. They do that in this though, and that's one they, thing is like the books. Computer games have yet to master books. <laughs> Those little square things. The books look okay, and I will say this, they put enough in there that it's not as obvious as it could be. Right. It could be so obvious that they had the exact same books. So many games, it's just Here's our book asset, and you look at a bookcase and you see the exact same twenty books. copies of the same book. Because I did, or, or the same set of books that right, like yeah. ten times. Yeah, because I made a note here. It's like for a while it was like movies. They had this big issue with CGI fire where they couldn't get it down, but then in games it's books. Because yeah, the books are always like they're perfectly rectangular. There's no curling of the edges. There's no browning on the sides where the paper is. There's no cracked spines um, or like bits of flecks of the plastic coming off the covers or whatever off the spines. They've yet to master that. It's just like these perfectly symmetrical and perfectly cut squares and then reused books. Because I found a copy. There was a copy of this book. I just had uh, I just had this thing that I had to find as many copies of. It was called Raw Fowl. I don't know. I just saw it. I was like, yeah, that's a cool name for a book. Um, I found at least 10 copies for that. Um uh, and then I noticed that uh, they, they did repeat them. They do have some real books, though. They have uh, House of Leaves, um, Gravity's Rainbow, Infinite Jest. Those were some books that I noticed that were real. All the other ones are probably just garbage, but or not, or, or not garbage, but you know, they're not real. Um, but yeah, the books. Come on, guys, get your book game on. <laughs> That's the next thing. Edith says she lived in the house until she was age eleven. She is now 17, I believe. So that means that it should have been six years in between. And that's where I'm saying it. It wouldn't look as nice, but it probably should look a bit more. Be full of rats for a start. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't see anything <laughs> like that. The reason she came back is because her mother left her this key. And the key will become important very soon. But as you're walking around the house, she makes all these comments. And I do appreciate... You're not a subtitle person, but I appreciate the subtitles are basically hardwired into the game. That's cool. There are a few times where they do some clever things with the way the words appear. Similar to was it TikTok, where one of the puzzles allowed the words to appear. I thought you meant TikTok the app. <laughs> um, yeah, in no, TikTok. A tale for two. Tale for two, yeah. Yeah, I like, I mean, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of subtitles, but in this game, they are, like you said, they're they're baked into it. And so I like how they're part of the environment, though. Like you get to walk through them. You blow them out of the way. They they kind of fly through the air and kind of almost show you where, you, where you're supposed to be going next at some points. Um, they're part of the environment. Yeah, it's really clever what they've done with the the subtitles. But that is it. It's a narrative game, and it's part of the story. You're, re- you're reading a story, but at the same time, you're living it, and at the same time, you're interacting with it and kind of controlling it. But yeah. It's really clever. I did not find her uncle's room at first, and thank goodness I didn't, because I wouldn't have wandered around if I had found it. What I found were a bunch of doors that she said her mother sealed off. She sealed off all the bedrooms. Yeah. Which is just a really weird thing to me. I love it. I love this. I love this. Because it is. It's so weird. It's like, this is not normal. This is why I play games. I don't play games to experience real life. I play games to experience weird stuff. And this is weird. Like, why would you hermetically seal a bathroom? You know? And you, they've left. And so Edie's only caveat to, like, okay, you can do that. 
But the only caveat is you've got to let a, leave a peephole in there so that you can see inside. Well, I don't think she made a caveat. I think Edie just went through and did it. It was her house. I'm pretty sure she had to say, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so she probably just like, yeah, I'm doing this. But she let her daughter seal off all the rooms because they didn't want to. Every time a new Finch was born, they didn't just like clear out the old rooms. So the kids that died, they were preserved in frozen in time for this their bedrooms. Shrine. Yeah. And I, 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 that's a great vehicle for the game to like travel through and like see how weird this family was and how. You know, and, and, and it also gives personality to all the characters of the game. Because when you go into a room, you know exactly what that character is. I agree. However, from a practical standpoint, <laughs> even just within the game, mm-hmm. the end game is us getting to where Edith and her nuclear family lived. And it's impossible, it seems, to get to that section without going through, without going through this whole maze. <laughs> One, every time that's ridiculous. And two, it's a whole mystery how to get there. And the only way to get through is rooms that Edith herself tells us she's never been in before. So did they used to have a rope ladder? I think there's a there's a stairway up this locked. It's like a little attic door. That goes up. I'm pretty sure that doesn't open for the game. But does it go from the ground level? Yeah, it goes from the ground level. Yeah, so okay. that, that's been locked off. So... um but there's no, there's no lock on it. <laughs> it's just magically locked. Like, all right. But that, I mean, that's a gameplay thing. That's like, if you put a lock on it, people will be looking for a key. Right. And so they've just like, this is the invisible wall, but it's visible. You can't get through it. But that's the way up through the house. You've got to go and find all the secret passages. And that's the part I liked most about the game was the secret passages. I love the idea of secret passages. Very escape roomish, wasn't it? Like you open a book and then there's a there's a handle inside to turn and stuff like that. Pretty cool. Yeah. Within the first one is is her uncle's room with a sea theme. I think there are whales painted mm. on the walls and the book, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, but when you open the book, it's a locked handle, so yeah. you can unlock it, open what is essentially a window into the next room. And yes, I really enjoyed that part. And then I believe the first room we end up in properly is Molly's, Molly's room. Yeah. Molly's room is a very pink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pink. There is a gerbil cage, and if you open the drawer below it, there is a mini Molly's room in that drawer with a mini gerbil cage. Right. The thing you really want to see here, though, is her journal. And this is the first time where we enter into a journal properly. Well, sort of. I believe the whole beginning of the game is us entering into a journal. But here we are. We're entering into her journal. And for some reason, her mother has denied her dinner. Sent to bed with no supper. And locked her in. Yep. And if you try to open the door as Molly, the mother says, nope, go to bed. So you can look for Halloween candy, but that's all gone. You can eat a dried carrot out of the gerbil cage, but she doesn't mind, she says. Yeah. She thinks about eating her fish, Christopher, but doesn't. <laughs> she eats all the toothpaste. Yes. But she's still hungry. So when we leave the toothpaste and go back out, now we can look at the window. There's oh, a- she eats the, well, the, the important part is she eats the, the holly berries, which I assume is what kills her. Is it holly or is it mistletoe? Mistletoe It's, or it's something, something poisonous, like right? Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm guessing it's some kind of poisonous berry. But the thing is, she's still 
finishes the journal after that. I don't think he would drop dead of it immediately. Like, I think it was maybe a condition that developed after a couple of days, you know. Maybe. So she sees this bird outside and she wants to eat it and she becomes a cat. Okay. Fantastic. Never in a game have I felt more like I'm actually the cat than I did in this one. The way it jumps around, the way that you barely see anything. Yeah, it... The little tinkle of the bell (laughs) on your neck. The purring that you can hear if you're playing with headphones. Yes, that works very, very well. But the first time I played it, I lost the bird at some point and couldn't figure out where it was. (laughs) And then you're just wandering forever. And it's very hard to see. And I didn't like that. And I stopped it. And that's when I realized, oh, the save points in this game are not the best placed. You kind of get them right after you finish a journal. And that's when you get it. Mm. So entering a new room, maybe. So in this case, you enter the new room. And so when I started up again, I had to go back to being Molly again. I had to go and eat the toothpaste again and right. the holly berries. And then I'm out the window and I'm following it. And this time I'm able to catch up and I do it a little bit faster. So I'm like, okay, it's not that big a deal. I got it. Oh, but now I'm an owl. All right. Now I'm an owl chasing after rabbits, which I can't see. There's the word rabbit, but I missed it. The first time I played that, and I couldn't find it, and I like this part because it reminded me of the uh, the aerial drone strike from Call of Duty to <laughs> from one from one warfare two. It was kind of like that, like over the field, just looking for hunting rabbits. The controls were a little awkward. I had a little trouble catching the second rabbit because it's not just one; you have to catch two. Mm-hmm. Because she's very into, I'm going to eat the mama rabbit, and I'm going to eat the mama bird. Yeah. And then I got to the shark and the shark just appears on a mountain and you're rolling down across a road into the sea. Through a forest. uh, Yeah. A shark just rolling through a forest. Which doesn't make any sense to me because I... Oh, I don't think it makes much sense to anybody. (laughs) But I just think that going from the cat into the bird felt like you're in the same environment. I was over an open field, and suddenly now I'm on top of a mountain. Yeah, I I have no idea. I think it's just the kid's imagination, you know? All right. Then, though, the shark, maybe with mouse. Actually, I know with mouse it's easier to control the shark. It is, but even with a mouse. I mean, like, the owl I have no problem with. The cat I had no problem with. The shark, not so much rolling down the mountain. That was fine. That was like, easy, yeah. That was easy, just, yeah. but. Getting into the ocean, like, catching the seal, like, getting that first bite was quite tough. I missed a few times, definitely. And you've got to circle back round and line them up. But, yeah, I got it eventually, but I'm taking it as it's harder with the controller then. Well, they completely changed the way that the controls work. Because now, using the joysticks, the right one is normally to move the camera around. Okay. And left would be as far as your direction that you're moving. Well, they've changed it in a way so that the left one is now suddenly, this is the one you look at. And I couldn't figure that out for the longest time. Hmm. So I'm there trying to make it work with 
a very inadequate way of moving around using the right joystick. And it just didn't work. Right. Okay. And I ended up switching to mouse going, well, this has got to be better. And it was, it was yeah. definitely easier. The second time I played through this part though, I figured out why the controls, what they were doing and, mm -hmm. and how they worked. So it was better the second time through, but the fact that I had to play it a second time through should indicate that there is something wrong because I've only played the game once. I got to the tentacle part. Yeah. The tentacle part. At first, I thought it was a snake. I didn't know what was going on. You've got... It's a sea monster, yeah. You've got uh, the Christmas Carol sung, I think, by Burl Ives at this point. You jump to the head of the tentacle each time, I think. Yeah. It's a bit it, awkward. It's a weird, yeah. yeah. It's like you've got to slide it. You basically, it's a static screen, and you've got to slide the tentacle to where you want to go then click the left mouse button and then it'll kind of like zip you along there and then you can go to the next screen. In a way that makes no sense if this is just a tentacle because you're essentially controlling everything. It's as though the tentacle can see. Yeah. yeah. I was able to catch and kill my first person and then the camera just panned up and I thought, okay, good. I'm done with this part. <laughs> Nope. And there's a sort of weird half green, half black screen. Uh -oh. And then it becomes all black. And all I can hear for about five minutes is just squishy tentacle noises. Oh, I was going to say, it would be better if you could hear what will we do with the drunken sailor. But no, it's just squishy tentacle noises. Oh, yeah. Have fun listening to that for five minutes. I don't know what's going on. I know if I start this part over... I've got to start back in Molly's room again. Yeah. So I'm waiting to see what happens because I do not want to do that shark part again. I really don't want to do the Molly's room part again. But eventually, I have to. So go through it all again. It's definitely faster the third, third time. Charm. And the shark part, I figured out what was going on with the controls. I was able to do that better this time. Tentacle part then goes beyond. There are a few more people to kill. Great. Seems very impractical considering that you've wound through all these stairs and everything. It seems better to pull the tentacle back and start over, but done. You'd be really tight. You'd have that ship tied up in a knot by the time you're done. Yeah. I'm done with it though. Go back to Molly's room and you're it's still the tentacle though. And you go under her bed. Yeah. And then you become Molly. Mm -hmm. And she says, Oh, it's going to get me. I know it's going to get me. But you know what? I will be delicious. <laughs> Which is really funny. <laughs> and it just feels out of place knowing that this girl probably just poisoned herself because her mother locked her in a room and won't give her dinner. Yeah, it's tragic. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like a place or a style where dark humor works. I don't know. I mean... Uh... That worked for me because like that's just the dark humor of of kids, you know. Like I I get that it's like the innocence of not knowing that she's gonna die, but she's done something wrong that's gonna impact her health in a really super negative way. Like she's got maybe a couple of days left to live, but she's just joking about the monster's gonna eat her. It's just I liked I like I like this this story. I like the whole episode, um, and that's what this game does well for me. Is like every 
every episode felt like something different and it wasn't just a replaying of the same mechanics over and over again. Every kid's story or adult story had a different kind of little mini game that goes along with it. Um, which is which is where it falls flat for me because it feels like a bunch of mini games thrown together. It doesn't really, to me, feel like a concrete story. And I, I think maybe talk a bit more about that at the end, but that's probably my biggest complaint. I think if the story worked for me, then I would have bought into it. Mm. We are going to crawl out the window now on a very flimsy looking lattice ledge. Especially when you're like seven months pregnant. To get into Edie's room. Edie's room is a museum of family history and pictures and paintings. She does these paintings, I guess, whenever somebody dies. That's yeah. on a sliced section of tree, you know, with the bark on the outside and everything. And she was already working on one. I think it was Milton's, like, as soon as he went missing, she was like, yep, he's done. Because that's one thing that we haven't talked about is that, like, um, Edie and the whole family, to some extent, believes that they're, they have some kind of family curse, where the curse is that all the children will die until there's one left, and then that one child will then have a next set of children that will perpetuate the Finch family. Is that the curse? I never yeah. found a specific stating of the curse. I just kept hearing there is a curse. There is a curse. I just thought it was a curse of bad luck. I think that's, I th I'm pretty sure you, you'll find a bit of paper somewhere that says that, but that, or a bit of conversation, or you piece it together from different conversations and papers. But I think that's the family curse. The family curse is that the whole line of, of children will die until one of them, one of them will be allowed to have kids and then that one kid will go on to kind of extend the Finch family. But then if they have three children, two of them are going to die in one of them. But I mean, again, it's just a family curse. Is it real? Is it not real? I mean, it seems real <laughs> from, from, from this family, but is it just bad luck? Yeah. But Edie certainly believes it's true. In this room, I'm trying to remember, what, what did we find in this room that led us to the next one? Do you remember? Um... I don't even remember who was next. Was it? Oh, it's um. We Edie find into Barbara. We find Barbara. So we find a little thing that shows us about the music box that there's a there's a no 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 no, 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 no. Is that not it? That's in Barbara's room. How do we get into Barbara's room? Yeah, from Edie's because there's a secret passage. Here. I think we, we. I think it's just another book in a wall, isn't it? Or um, because we go out onto the ledge, we go across the ledge, we go past the window into Edie's room. And then, yeah, there's another there's another door in here, I think. In this room, though, before we go further, there's a viewfinder, like the old viewmaster. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. With a bit of story. And this is where they talk about... This is Odin's story. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that he felt cursed, so he was going to leave yeah. and decides to bring the whole house with him. Yeah. I love As I love though this. that would ever happen. Yeah. Well, they did it in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, so they can do it here, right? They brought the whole house over from Norway on a barge, basically. And then they've got, they get like, I don't know, 200 meters from shore and it falls in the water and he dies and he drowns. <laughs> I mean, I love that because it's just, it's so out there. It's so ridiculous, but it's so magical. You know, it's like, 
It's exactly the same thing with Charlie Bucket's house. They take the whole house and they plop it into the chocolate factory, don't they? You're talking about the Tim Burton version, yes? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I like that. I like that. Like, they just take the whole house and they just... I did roll my eyes. Put it in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listeners at home. Uh, yeah. We need a, a, roll, a roll eyes sound. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, that's so stupid, but so great. Just let's, let's bring the house. It's not like you're it's not like you're taking a car. Yeah. So Odin, Odin, Odin drowns, and and that's uh, great great granddad dead. I don't even have it in my notes, so I don't remember how I get to the next part. I just know that it leads into the pink bathroom, and in the pink bathroom is the pop up book. Yeah, that's right. So I, and that leads to at the end of the pop up book. There's a way to again use a handle to get into a photo dark room. Yes, which is Sam's. I guess he was really into photography his whole life. We are going to then get into Calvin and Sam's room. They were twins, but Calvin is the one who died. We get to go to his space side. And he basically died getting on a swing and going all the way around and then flying off it. Yeah. There's a cute bit of narration here from young Sam saying, I love my brother. He always did what he said he'd do. He said he wouldn't live in fear anymore. He said that he would make it all the way around. And he did both of those things. But of course, he well... And then he flew, but yeah. he flew off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. This is where there is a fake bookcase. You just slide the books over and this will lead through a tunnel into Barbara's room. Barbara was a child star known for her screaming. This is where you get to see, like, I really appreciate that Edith talks about, oh, I've only ever been able to peek into these rooms before. So when she stepped into Molly's room, this is like stepping behind a painting. It's the first time for her and it's the first time for us. So, And here she goes, oh, I always thought of Barbara as being a star, which you look around and that's basically all you see from the outside. But in here you could see her diner uniform that she had to wear for work right. and a few other things. But along with this is essentially a Tales from the Crypt comic that talks about Barbara's death. I have mixed feelings about this. I thought if there's one part in this game that you'd like, it would be this one. Well, like I said, I have mixed feelings. When I saw it, and when we got to go inside it, I was very excited. I thought, this is fantastic. But then it just starts to pull too much from other things. The music we have through part of it is the Halloween theme song. From the movie. Yeah. This is just a parody of Tales from the Crypt, complete with bad puns. And it goes on for a very long time. And it does a lot of bait and switch even within the story that I don't appreciate. It feels wrong. Rolling my eyes uh, sound here for me to... You go right ahead. The thing is, though, I've read a lot of the classic Tales from the Crypt stuff. And yeah, there's a twist, but the twist comes at the end. This whole weird thing of her boyfriend, Rick, wants to help her find her scream. And so he hides in the refrigerator. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I think if you skip that part, 
and gone straight to her finding her scream, I would have been okay with it. But it just went on a bit long and a bit much and tried a double twist that didn't work. Mm. Um, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was great. I liked the whole Tales from the Crypt thing with the the, the, the Crypt Keeper's kind of weird voice and stuff. Um, they actually contacted um, John Carpenter. He licensed the music for them. They couldn't have done it otherwise. Yeah. Um, I assume that they must have. Yeah. yeah. But and, it and just feels, this is a part where it just feels like, okay, you're not only doing the Tales from the Crypt thing, but you've also pulled this very famous theme song from the somewhere Howling, else the as Halloween well. Music. It just feels like too many things pulling from outside. Well, it makes sense maybe if you uh, understand what they were trying to do, which they didn't get around to doing, was what they wanted to do was have John Carpenter narrate the whole bit. That would have been better. It would have, but unfortunately, this was at a time that there was the uh, there was a, a video game voice actor strike going on, and it made it completely impossible. And so this is what they had to go with. But their original plan was, we get the Halloween music. John Carpenter was like, yep, you can have it. And they're like, can you do the... He wanted to do the narration, but he just couldn't do it because of the strike. Yeah, I think that would have been really cool. I don't know if enough people would know... Oh, that's John Carpenter. I certainly wouldn't recognize his voice, but it would have been cool in the credits to be like, oh, John Carpenter actually was the narrator for that, but that's awesome. Now I know what he sounds like. It's a shame that that didn't come to fruition. That would have been very nice. I do like the hint of the music box key here, and also the refrigerator is more than it appears. I appreciate that. I think that that is a nice, clever way to get into it. I do think, though, that this death, more than probably any of the others, is incredibly vague. I th- yeah, I don't know what it is. It's, it is vague because what I took away from it is, was it maybe a stalker crazed fan that kind of killed her, murdered her? Um, or was it what the comic book kind of is leading us to believe that it was some kind of weird cult that was lots of people involved, cannibalism, all that they left behind was her ear, basically, they ate her. I don't think that's well possible, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was. I think it's just a, a crazed fan. Maybe came in and and murdered her and her boyfriend. I think. I think he got it too. Yeah, there was the whole thing about that. Was the other thing like, oh, there's a crazy guy escaped with a hook for a hand. It's like, like I know what you did last summer. Well, even beyond that is just that is the cliche campfire horror story i think but well, that's the whole point isn't it? I, that for me it's like it's the whole thing is supposed to be very cliche and it it is but anyway walter sees all this and is very very traumatized and we'll get to walter in a minute yeah because that's the next thing now is where we're going to pop out of a wine cupboard or cupboard something thing. i really struggled with this part i didn't know where to go this is the first time the game makes us go backwards and for a long time i was looking around barbara's room assuming that there must be another secret passage to get out Mm -hmm. and then i didn't find it so i went okay i need to go back i found that on the way towards barbara's room the first time because it's there i went out and then i was like oh i'm back in the house again i wonder if you could skip barbara's story too then i'm wondering if you could unlock the key from the very first time you interact with a music box i think it might be possible that's going to be something for a speed run trial as my wandering around happened as i was walking through and crawling through and by the way 
the crawling animation of her hands looks very good going forward, but backwards they <laughs> they did not plan for it to go backwards ever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it basically is the same animation backwards and crawling backwards does not look the same as crawling forwards. Right. It's very weird, which I know because of this part where I was a bit confused, didn't know. I made it all the way back to Edie's room, found nothing else, and went, well, I've got to get back. But of course, as I'm going through all of this, the game incessantly is telling me, hey, maybe I should check out that music box by the basement. Maybe I should go towards the basement. Maybe I should try that music box towards the basement. Yeah, I know, game. It's not a secret. You made it pretty obvious in the comic. I know where I'm going. However, you didn't help me figure out where I'm supposed to go. It was very easy for me to miss the wine cabinet. I missed it twice. And then I don't even know what made me see it the third time through, but I did. And I was like, oh, finally, I'm out of this thing. But then I didn't know where the basement door was. I hadn't found the music box on the way through. So I just went down and I was walking around in circles for a bit before I finally found it and then said, okay, here it is. Finally, I'm in, I'm down, go into the basement. You see, I think it's Sven's workshop that's here. Yes. And that's probably where you have your picture of him falling off the dragon, which I think now that I'm thinking of that, I think I probably did see it. I think it's just on the wall. Yeah. And then you get to carry on and find the refrigerator and inside is not just a refrigerator, but a whole bunker where Walter lived for 30 years. years, And we get into his story and his story is all about the monsters he was afraid of that came to get Barbara. And there's a shaking, almost like an earthquake, but he attributes it to the monster. Yes. He eats his peaches every day, which I get. We want to feel the monotony, so we have to do it three or four times. It's not fun, though. And then (laughs) we go further down after we finish reading that. Well, you go through as him. You go further down. You get to the train tracks and get run over. Just as, of course, he's going, I'm so happy to be outside. I can't wait to enjoy my life. (laughs) Splat. Yeah. But I, I, I think I mentioned this in the Ethan Carter episode. It's like... This is like reminding me of that train track. It's like it's like a crossover b- between the two worlds almost. Yeah, it just really reminds me of that game, uh, and it reminded me of Edith Finch. So yeah, it was weird, but yeah, that's Walter. Thirty years in a bunker, and uh, gets splatted by a train. Go down as Edith, and the train tracks end at the cliff. They don't go anywhere. Yeah, it's been long gone. Yeah. Well, and. Would there have actually been a train to go through here anyway? I don't know. I, I wondered about that. I thought that felt a bit <clears throat> a bit weird because, A, I thought this island was small and that the whole point was for them to get away from people. So why would, they, why would there be a train? It doesn't make any I don't, sense. I don't uh, get that part at all. If there's, if there's one part in the game that I'm like scratching my head at and being like, that's dumb. It's this train. They could have had anything. They could have had him just, maybe he, he ran, runs through the wall and it's actually on the edge of a cliff and then he falls off and then that would be maybe a bit too much like Calvin's story. But yeah, I don't know. A train on a tiny little island doesn't make any sense. We'll then walk around. You can walk down to the sea and then walk up through the 
Pet Cemetery. Oh, this is where you, you just find the graves, yeah. And then the Family Cemetery. And then a bit further up, you get to see the monument to Odin. A great yeah. <laughs> moment as he's looking off into the distance at the house. You can now see that, like you said, very close to shore. Mm. You can look through a telescope once to see the house. And then you continue around to more graves and then back into now the more tower part of the house. Yeah, this is like the add-ons now, isn't it? This is where we're getting to the kind of add-on family bits. The very ramshackle tower. Mm. I would not feel safe sleeping in those. I believe this is where we get to go up and we start seeing their family stuff. So I think this is where we see the plot of garden on the balcony that was for each of them. Don had a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Milton had made a castle. Edith has her thing and Lewis has his. We're going to continue up through the homeschool. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. For the desk with Mrs. Finch, I think. (laughs) Miss Finch. (laughs) And all of the stuff that goes on in that room. We will see later in Dawn's section of the house that she wrote a book, apparently, about teaching. Oh, I didn't see that, but okay. And, yeah, we're just going to keep going through. We're going to see, I believe, Milton's room first. This is a castle, a sort of castle turret that's right there. You can get inside. You can see the paintings he's done. They're very creative. There's the flip book. That you can flip That's pretty through, cool. Yeah. Which. A flip book within a flip book. Yes. Which yeah. is very interesting. And then the end of that has the painting of the door, which you see on the ground floor of his mm-hmm. apartment, which I think just symbolizes that he just left. Yeah. He had enough and he just left. So he may actually still be alive. That's the thing. It's like so Milton I'm guessing if if you believe the curse, then Milton is probably dead because Edith is the one that had children. Edie um, certainly seems to think so. She's already painted his memorial. Yeah, she's painting. like, Yep, he's done. Um but yeah, Milton is um it, Milton supposedly I've not played Unfinished Swan, but Milton is supposedly a character in in Unfinished Swan. And that's about his dreamland that he went off to, that is his kingdom, basically. He's king of Whatever I've not played it, so I don't know, but um, it tells his story of when after he went missing. All right, actually, I realize I made a huge gap here because we actually need to go through Dawn's life as she's younger. So oh, need, of course. So we need to go through Sam's room, which again I think you could probably skip. It's full of cameras and hunting stuff. But if you go into his pictures, there's a whole section where this is Dawn camping with her father. You get to take different pictures. You have to take, I think, the right one to move on to the next set of pictures. Yeah. And that can be at times a bit frustrating to know what am I missing? What am I not taking a picture of that I should be? Yeah. It's going to lead up to her finding a deer, her having to shoot her first deer. The father thinks that it's very important. And she says, oh, the deer is still twitching. And he says, that's okay. That's normal. It gets up and throws him off a cliff. Yeah. Dunk. I laughed out loud. This is so ridiculous. This one is too much. Because it's caught on camera as well. It's like, yeah. Yeah, of course. Just look at the camera. 
perfect picture. Yeah. yeah. I think he even says, oh, great shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's Sam. Sam's off off the side of a cliff. Um, and this is, again, where I think if this is what you're going for, if it's meant to be funny, really lean into it. And I feel like they didn't. And I feel like the in-between bits should also be leaning into it a bit. But that's just me. Mm. I don't know. I, I didn't see the funny side of this one. Um, Did he not? No. The way it happened, just... I mean, it's a hunting couple. accident. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It probably happens a lot. Like, I mean, I don't think maybe people taking pictures with deer on the side of cliffs, but I mean, I'm sure when they get shot, they're probably still alive. You know, like a single bullet's not going to kill them. But yeah. Um, yeah, the, 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 the frustrating part with that was definitely, I even on my second playthrough or third playthrough, I was like, where am I supposed to be pointing this camera? Am I supposed to be taking a picture of that bird? Am I supposed to be taking a picture of that tree? It's in focus. Like, uh, I can get it in focus. And then there's bits where you scroll around and it's like, but he's walking. And so you've got to wait until he gets to that place. Like, you got to take a picture of him peeing for some reason. Like, okay. Uh, so, but he wasn't there before, but now he is there. It's, ah, okay, okay, I get it. But yeah, there's some bits where it's like a pain in the butt to try and find out where you're supposed to be pointing the camera. But yeah, Sam... Yeah, Sam gets chucked off the edge of a cliff. The deer gets his revenge on the wrong person. It wasn't him that shot it. <laughs> you get through just a little passageway here, through a baby door into Gregory's crib, which I absolutely hate. Gregory's story. I love yeah. Gregory's story. I figured you would. I hate it. It just takes too long and... It's too predictable. I liked it for like the first 30 seconds. Oh, the, <laughs> I do think to add to the weirdness of everything that this is not told through a journal, but through a note left on the divorce papers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But Gregory, he sees things with his imagination. So he's seeing. Yeah. His toy frog and the rubber ducks doing a synchronized swimming dance. Mm -hmm. And at first I enjoyed that. And then it just seemed to go on forever. And I realized, well, I guess I should actually be doing something else. Like it took so long yeah. for me to figure it out or to get the controls to jump up to get to the, some of the other toys that the song actually looped around again. <laughs> and. Uh. I really think that they were not planning for it to take that long, but I think that it's very possible to take that long because in some ways you never know if you have to wait for something to happen mm. before you can do the next thing. Or if like I was trying, trying to get that Total bubble, entry. the bubbles are so tricky, even with jumping on the whale that took multiple tries. Mm. And then I kept going, well, I know Gregory's going to drown. Yeah. He only lived for a year. I already know that. So I tried so many times to get the frog to get up to the tap. And right. then, oh, no, no. Yeah. The mom's got to come and go away. And then you see sparkle. So now you can do it. Thanks. Yeah. But it just felt too long. It's like watching a movie with a twist, but you already know the twist five minutes in. And not only that, but like you said, you know he's dead because he is. is He's, he's a baby and it's like I'm actively trying to kill a baby <laughs> uh, I'm actively trying to drown a little kid um, 
But yeah, it's like that's that's how it played out. I guess uh, he switches on the tap and fills up the bathtub, and she obviously feels very guilty about that, so she divorces Sam. Well, they're already unhappy. They were fighting even on that phone call. Right, yeah. That's why she left Gregory in the tub, was so mm. she could go have a fight with her husband, it yeah. seemed. Then is Gus's story, but like I said, I skipped it. I missed it. Okay. So it's very easy to miss. With uh, Gus's story, though, you're flying a kite. Uh, the father is remarrying. Mm-hmm. But... Being a surly teenager, I guess, he doesn't want a stepmother. He doesn't want to deal with any of this stuff. So he's flying the kite around. It's kind of interesting what they do with the text here where you have to cover it or grab it. And then it leads up to the storm where you're grabbing all the chairs and you're grabbing the tent. And everything's going crazy. And even though it looks like the whole party is being ruined by your kite, you're the one that dies as Gus. Something and and I was waiting to get electrocuted. I was waiting for the Benjamin Franklin. I was thing, as well. Yeah. But you kind of unceremoniously just get crushed by a big pole or something like that. I can't remember what it is. It's just something falls on you and you're done. Um, and that's Gus's story. But no, I, I like the the interaction in this part is pretty is pretty nice. It's pretty easy to control the kite. Not much to it. But to be honest, to be if I had to rank my favorite stories in this, this would be like down to the, the bottom. I just. It's all right, like little kind of mini game that you play here, but the story didn't really pull me in for this one. Something about this room, I don't know what was going on with their father or if it was the kids, but they had all these rules on the board about when you wake up, you have to do 150 jumping jacks, you have to do 100 push-ups, you have to do all this. They have a climbing wall. They have, uh, yeah, just everything seems to be about athletics. I mean, the, this Sam was military, wasn't he? So I think it's just his military kind of background coming into play. He's getting, setting up a strict kind of schedule regime for his kids, you know? So this is where, after her brothers died, Dawn moves up to the loft area. This is where we do get a little bit of story about her mother leaving. So Dawn left. Mm-hmm. She went to Calcutta. She was building homes for the poor, I think. That's where she and her father met, which is why Sanjay is there, which from the first time I looked at the book, I went, well, that name seems different. Yeah. (laughs) And so that was quite an interesting aspect. Like they're trying Mm -hmm. to add a bit more to who the mother is. There's a fireman pole if you want to go down that, Mm -hmm. but then you have to climb back up again. (laughs) And now is where you can leave and you'll get into Milton's room that we talked about before with the castle. Right. You can get into Lewis's room now. His is a very psychedelic room full of marijuana posters, video games, all those kinds of things. An exit sign, a neon exit sign. His story is told through a psychiatrist's letter to the mother, which there's no way that all of what is said in the story is in that letter. No, of course not. I don't buy that. It's a video game. This, for me, is probably the most clever of the stories and the way that they've used it. Lewis is unhappy in his boring life. He wants to be something a bit more, which even Edith mentions the Indian flag on the wall. And maybe he was proud of that because it at least made him something a little bit different. Mm. When we start his story, we are in the cannery. 
and I don't know how it worked with mouse and keyboard, but with the controller, it was very clever. Mm-hmm. So in every way, they got the shark one kind of wrong. They got this one very, very right. right. With the two joysticks, the right joystick is shifting the fish from left to right. Okay. And with the other joystick, you start to control his imaginary world and move that avatar around. So you could actually be doing two things at the same time, which I often was. So I never really let the salmon get piled up. It didn't really need to. But every time, I was waiting either for him to cut himself on accident or to cut himself on purpose. And so, again, a bit of a problem with the fact that we know he's going to die and we pretty much can see how he's going to die. So it's not as interesting when I get to it at the end. But what is interesting is the way they've developed it. It starts off as little imagination to try to distract himself, but it gets more and more involved and more and more real to him. And as they do that, you go from top-down, almost 8-bit animation, all the way up through first-person Skyrim-style walking through and seeing everything. Yeah. The amount of screen space that that has also grows and grows. Yeah, takes over on your thing and then yeah eventually the whole thing's full up you can't even see the uh the guillotine that's cutting the heads off the fish you just hear it but it's muscle memory by this point but yeah the keyboard in my situation is just basically it's the lasso keys to control the guy and then the mouse to control holding the fish okay so you would still have that similar feel of one hand doing one thing and one hand doing the other i think if this stood alone as its own little freebie or one dollar two dollar story i would have loved it and i would have (laughs) thought this is amazing this one on its own feels like something yeah it's good i I, I do like lewis's story um a lot actually yeah but again telling me the ending kind of ruins. i mean the thing is we know everybody dies so it's like but that's the problem well well that's the story though so you just got to deal with it you know if you can't get past that then you can't there's no point playing the game because everyone is dead so Spoilers, but yeah, everyone is dead. So there's a family curse. So you know everyone except Edith is dead. Right. But I think that the mystery is finding out how they really died or finding out a bit more about their life. And this one, after about the first minute of this, I knew where it was going. And that's the problem of giving too many signals, too much foreshadowing perhaps, as to what's going to be happening so that now the beginning is interesting and the ending is kind of interesting, but the whole middle feels like it's too much. Mm-hmm. But I think on its own, it's it's fine. It would have worked better if I wasn't already predicting the end. I mean, when you know you're going to die, that guillotine you see on the right, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit too much, I think. Um, also, yeah, I wonder if that could really... Cut, I mean, I'm guessing he cut his own head off. Like That's definitely the way it made it look. I'm going to say probably not. I'm not sure that would work, but uh, who knows? Uh, in, a, in a computer game, it works fine, but um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that... I, I don't know how it would work at a fish cannery. Yeah. But when I worked at a photocopy shop, we had a huge cutter like mm. that. And you had to have two buttons pressed, one with each hand. 
so right. that you would be you sure not have to have your a hand hands in. in there. And so I'm assuming that there must be some way, like a pedal plus a button, to make this work. But this makes it look like that isn't the case. Yeah, I had a summer job in a factory, and we had something that would seal bags, like heat seal bags, and you had to have your foot on a pedal first before you push the button. And so, yeah, there was, yeah, definitely there would be a safety mechanism in play. But yeah, it's a computer game. Uh, I'll take it, but. Maybe he found a way around the mechanism. Put a rock on it. <laughs> Something along those lines. Put some cans on it. There you go. He's got enough cans at the house. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. There's a little kind of choose your own adventure element to it where you're selling the boat and it's like he met a beautiful princess or a handsome prince. And I mean, it means nothing, but. Yeah, I just went right every time. I just. And the princess is looking for rainbows, I think was on the right <laughs> yeah. side, which. I realized, I think I made a mistake because I was knocking them over, but I think you could actually go, go through, through them. them. Yes, you but can. But the controls for that is a bit I knocked. Awkward. I knocked a few over of the serpent ones or the rainbow ones, uh, and then I realized, oh, you can actually go between them. I don't know if you get... Well, no, you don't get an achievement for that because I've, I've finally 100% of this now. But um, yeah. So yeah, old Lewis is, uh, is done. After this is where... We basically get up to the end of the game. So we have Dawn's sort of kitchen area. This is where I said I saw the books that she wrote about teaching method, I guess, getting the most out of a classroom, something like that. But you don't really get that. You get to go up to Edith, and this is where you get the final night in the house. Edie is mad. She doesn't want to go to a nursing home. Uh, Lewis has died. This is, I think, the day of or the day after the funeral. Don has not warned Edie that they were going to leave, just decided we're going tomorrow, pack. Mm. And so we get to see a bit of them arguing, Don and Edie. And Edie says, Edith, I've left you a present. So now we can finally, from way back at the beginning of the game, you could peek into the library, but now you can actually get inside. And inside, of course, we don't get to interact with anything except for the book that Edie has made. Let me just tell you this one story. That's all I have time for. Mm -hmm. And annoyingly, we don't even get to finish that because Dawn comes in and rips the book apart. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, I would like to have kind of got kind of uh, closure on that. So we leave the house. We wave goodbye to Edie. And then... We hear about Dawn dying in the hospital not long after that, and that is what led us back to here. But then it goes further because now we're clearly seeing what's the birth canal and going through. And I didn't realize that the birth canal is purple <laughs> as well. <laughs> I don't know what it looks like from the inside. <laughs> as. You don't, uh, you don't remember? I, yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So, uh, what we find out is that this whole narration is what she wrote to her, I guess, son. Mm -hmm. It looks like a son at the end. As he's standing at her grave at the family plot, Edith is saying in her narration. I guess if you're reading this, I don't get to tell you the stories yourself. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. But... At least you have them now. And that's it. That's the end of the game. So, yeah, I guess... I don't know how old the boy is, but looks like a teenager. He's also got a broken arm, which is... I didn't notice that. I did not notice he's got, he's got a broken arm. 
Um, it seems like if he was that old, she would have had time to tell him some stories. I'm guessing she died in childbirth, though. Possibly. Because it says on the grave 2017. So Oh, she, then she would have had to. She, have, was, yeah. she was, yeah, she was 17, uh, I think. How old was she? She was uh, 17 in the game. 1999 to 2017. So she, yeah, she was uh, maybe 18 when she died. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, 17 when she got pregnant. 18. Uh, so she died in childbirth, I'm guessing. I don't know how he got this then. So, that, I mean, I guess well, he was obviously raised and then the book was eventually passed down to him. And now this is him coming back and essentially doing what she's done in the past. Um, and, and, and also what Don did for Edith as well. Like, Posted her the letter, gave her the key to the house, kind of thing, mm. um, um, or the key to whatever it was that opened. Uh, here's the key to the cat flap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's gone. He's now gone through and done what we've done. Probably, although all, everything will be open for him conveniently, no puzzles to be solved. And yeah, and that's it. That's it. And one thing I noticed when I would would come out and go back in, there's no. Um, there's no, there's no title menu. There's no screen for this. It's like when you reload a game, it's just like, blam. You just go straight into it, into the book page. There's no opening, like open title screen. It just launches you directly into the game. One thing that I was going to say as well that we should have talked about in the um, Barber's Room was the game, this is interesting, is that the game was initially envisioned as a much more creepy kind of horror game. Um, it was actually going to be called the nightmares of edith finch and it was a game where you and here's maybe both of us just going to start rolling our eyes a game where you walk around a house in the dark with a flashlight and i'm not sure that i would have been down for that because we've already got a lot of games that are like that already and would the flashlight have batteries yeah <laughs> hopefully not but um, Walter's story was a lot creepier as well. He was supposed to move down into the, just into the basement and then he was supposed to be tortured by like kind of the Doctor Who, um, weeping angels statues. That was going to be his kind of mini game. Um, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, it, it was supposed to have, yeah, a much more of a creepier vibe, but then they went with this more kind of, I don't know, lighthearted, um, effort. Also, yeah, this was initially published by Santa Monica Studios, who are, not famous for their walking sims, but uh, God of War. Um, um, they did publish uh, Unfinished Swan. It was a PS exclusive. But they also did Journey, I think. Santa Monica Studios, they, they also published Journey, um, which is not God of War. Um, and uh, so basically what happened was they were making Edith Finch and then Sony kind of got cold feet and they're like, nah, we're not really into the whole indie thing anymore. And so a bunch of people f from Santa Monica Studios said, well, all right, they teamed up with Giant Sparrow and they went off and founded um, Annapurna. That's how it was born, basically. So it's, it was born out of Santa Monica Studios. Here, another bit of trivia that I found, uh, I think this was on the wiki page, uh, was uh, they were this close to having Weird Al write a song for Edie about, you know that part in the game where she refuses to leave her house because there's a forest fire? She's like, I'm not leaving my house. Weird Al was on the line. He was like, yep, I'm going to do it. But they just, they had the idea too late. And he's just like, I can't do it in time. I've got all this other stuff. And they're like, yeah, we've got to publish by this date. It's like, oh man, missed opportunity. Just like. Huge missed opportunity. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, that's, that's, uh, that is a shame. And yeah, in the credits uh, as well, I, li I like the, the books at the end where you get to see, it's, it only 
scrolls by too fast for me. I only I only recognized three names, and that was Lucas Pope was on there, Sam Barlow was on there, and Dino Patti was on there. Dino Patti is the guy from Play Dead, made in, Inside in Limbo. Lucas Pope, of course, Papers, Please, and Oberdin, and Sam Barlow for what we talked about earlier, um, t- Telling Lies and uh, Her Story. More for Her Story for me. But yeah, that's it. And that's, that's, that's it with Finch. Um, so that's it. If you, um, done now, you're off the hook now, Justin. That's it. No more. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you to buy anything or play anything else. Uh, cause yeah, that's it for me. It is slow, slow paced, but um, I don't necessarily mind the slow pace. I think the slow pace is a problem when I did cause I was pressing shift to sprint and it just kept on zooming in. Well, that's, <laughs> that's true. The, could do with a faster it's a walk or shorter, shorter walks at some point, which surprised me that you would have that problem. Yeah. I know yeah, that there's, for me. there's the achievement that I got just because I was exploring a bit, but there are two ways to get to the house, two paths. You can walk the whole way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was able to do that just enough to get the achievement. I just think that with this type of game, it has for me the short story problem. Of and I've talked to you about this before, but when I read short stories, I can only really read one a day, maybe two a day. I don't like to read a whole bunch because every time I feel like I'm starting over and starting over a story is always the most mentally taxing part for me, trying to learn all the characters and the new environment. And this is part of that. So it's a bunch of different mini stories that are all thrown together with this framework, but each time I'm doing different mechanics, I'm doing something different, which keeps it from being boring, but none of these characters did I feel connected to. I mean, Edie is probably the closest. All the rest, honestly, is just somebody that's going to die. And it didn't really build a whole lot of, for me, who they were, what was important to them, so their death had very little meaning to me. I knew them at the moment of their death, I didn't know them in their life. Yeah. And unless they're doing something really heroic in the last moment of their life that you can see, that you can connect with, most of these, they're just kind of dumb deaths, really. Dumb ways to die. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them, we can't even trust the narrator. Right. And this is a narrator within a narrator. It's Edith's version of the story she found or has been told. Those are things, yeah, I talked about that with Ethan Carter. I don't like unreliable narrators. This is a whole series of unreliable narrators. And for me, yeah, I I think each as mini games, they are interesting. It's clever. They could do all of these different things. But I think that what would have worked better for me is to take some of these ideas and not put them all into one game, but have that be the one interesting thing in the game that they're doing and put a bit more into the characters and the story of the family than just this one's going to die and this one's going to die. Each one of these mini games is interesting in its own respect. And that would be the memorable moment in any other game. But to shove them all together like this makes it feel like it's not a complete game to me. 
and it didn't feel like a full experience. But you love this game. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say I feel different. Like for me, it was um, it was a bunch of different experiences, and and they were all p- kind of packaged together. And I felt like I was experiencing something new each time, and and doing something different. I liked all the all the stories. I felt like I just got enough. I felt like they told a tale through the mini games enough that I lived that little experience of their life and I got enough for each character out of it. Yeah, I'd like to know more. Yeah, I'd love to read a, a whole book about it, you know? I'd like to see what this family got up to. I would, I'd watch a movie of it, you know, like the, the curse of Edith Finch family, you know? Um, but for what they were going for, they, the, their idea for the game was it's only going to be three hours long. So let's, uh, let's do it. So um, what we talked about before about devotion and how devotion I, I, I mentioned that um, Edith Pete, Silent Hill PT was obviously a big influence and they, they noted that Edith Finch was too and I can totally see Edith Finch in Devotion but I think for you Devotion worked better because it was a more cohesive single story rather than these bits, yeah? Yes, and I think that that is the key to what made Devotion work as well as adding some puzzle elements to it mm. The only puzzle element we really got here were... The key? Yeah, the key, how to get to the next room. And they told you how to solve that puzzle. Anyway, it wasn't really a puzzle, yeah. But, that, but, I mean that, but that is, again, I wouldn't fault the game for that because it is a walking sim. I don't think it says it's a puzzle game on the store page, so... I wouldn't fault it for that either. It's just that I think I need some of that for it to feel worth playing as a game. I think for me, this is one of those games that would just work much better as... A movie, probably. Mm. Because if I'm not going to have a lot of agency in what I'm doing anyway, I may as well just be watching it. Right. Well, I'll, have to, I'll have to get you to play uh, Dear Esther. I'll be the last one. I'll do that for Buyer's Remorse. You may have to, <laughs> because I've heard about Dear Esther. And I think you'll hate it. It's a lot of <laughs> pixel hunting is what I've heard. You Isn't have to what, find a lot of little things. There's, all over there's the a lot of notes and stuff dotted all over. That's the whole game. It's just a game of notes and walking really slowly. Yeah, we'll see if that ever ends up in my is it, library. Is it in your library yet? I don't think so. I think I've Christmas is coming, Justin. Ugh. I get one a year. <laughs> that is true. Uh, gaps filled the more gaps created. 